All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, dude? You know, it's just another day in snowy Buffalo. I think we hit uh, 13 degrees above freezing today. So, you know, we're we're uh, sweltering here in our hoodies and sweatpants. So, yeah. like, <laughs> counting down out- to days April. <laughs> <laughs> I went out to my car to grab a package today, and I was in shorts and a hoodie, and I actually kind of, like, it was one of those moments, like, when you know you're a true northerner, when I was just like, oh, it's not that cold out today. And I go and I check the temperature, and I see it says, like, 16 or 17. I'm like, okay, this is bad. Yeah. Like, it's just one of those reality checks. But, uh, yeah, um, so so funny story, you, you brought up the uh, Buffalo deal. I didn't even realize this. Obviously, our guest today, Mr. Dave Mercer, uh, for folks who don't know, is a massive Chiefs fan. And I did not click to me until Dave and Andy brought this up, but – Andy is a giant Bills fan. We brought in Dave, and in two days, both their teams are going to square off in the battle of, like for the death, basically. It, it, it's going to be a game. No matter what happens, it's probably going to be the game of the playoffs. I have that funny feeling. Every morning I get up and I watch like at least you know 20 or 30 minutes of SportsCenter, and everything from Twitter to that that I've heard is like, this will be the game of the playoffs. Yeah. So I, I think you could hype it up to that extent. So yeah, well, I'm excited Chief- to watch it. And I'm not even a Bills fan or a Chiefs fan. Well, I mean, your uh, your life partner <laughs> there is a huge yeah. Bills fan. So yeah, I have no choice. My fiance is a diehard Bills fan, but, <laughs> but which is fun because then I root against the Bills and it like it's just funny for me. Uh, um, it was really funny because your TV slightly delayed because you stream everything in the one night. <laughs> I was texting you. I think it might have been the Monday night game in week five when they played the Chiefs. And I was like, touchdown. And uh, she was, and you like told her there's going to be a touchdown. And you're like, how do you know? And then they oh, scored yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I tried to act like I was a genius. I'm like, hey, touchdown pass right here. And then she's like, how do you know that? <laughs> yeah, Andy always to the rescue. Yes, now, you're welcome. But, uh, but dude, uh, what do you got coming up here in the next week? Working. That's about it. There's nothing really going on. All the creeks are frozen, so there's no steelhead guiding. So I'm just driving the pharmaceuticals and nursing homes and delivering diapers when delivering I diapers. feel like work. Working. So, yeah. And then starting oh, yeah. to slowly organize my fishing room, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Yeah, I Got started in the uh, organization of everything, getting things ready for the season, spooling up reels and everything. Because uh, on Sunday, actually, Sunday morning, I'm flying down to Jacksonville, headed over to Bienville. We're going to have a fun little Berkeley Jigs media trip down there that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, going to do that for a week, even though perfect timing. We're going to get a cold front this weekend. So typical Florida. degrees in Florida is going to be interesting. You're going to get razzed on. Everyone's going to be like, damn, New Yorker bringing all the cold <laughs> weather down here. <laughs> yeah, we were on a call the other day, and uh, that's exactly what Gary Klein told me. He's like, yeah, figures, you New Yorkers, you bring all the cold weather with you. Uh, but no, that should be a, it's a really fun event. We get home, and literally like a week later, I'm headed down to Toledo Bend, Louisiana for – the first Hobie event, uh, Hobie BOS kayak event. I'm really looking forward to that. So it's a quick turnaround. It's basically here. Season's pretty much back. And uh, I'm super pumped, super excited. Just uh, quick out real fast. What's that? Stay, stay out of Springville, Missouri. Yeah, yeah. We're not going to do another <laughs> get rear-ended episode again. But speaking of episode, I'm excited to film episode one of Chasing Hardware, the new kayak series I'm going to start for the channel. So, folks, you guys are going to – 
be excited, hopefully, to, to tune into that. That's going to be a lot of fun to film. Um, and then last piece of notes before we bring on our guest today is uh, next week, uh, I will not be on the episodes again. Andy's going to be running the show, and uh, it'll be Tuesday night live again. Not Monday night. It'll be Tuesday night. Um, so make sure you guys are ready for that on Tuesday night. No Monday night live. And uh, we're going to be starting to change things up a little bit here, but for the better. So, uh, Andy, I think without further ado, we should get our guest down here. Yeah, we should probably stop him from waiting. <laughs> it's not very kosher of us, <laughs> even though he's a yeah, Bills fan. fans. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado, Mr. Dave Mercer, what's going on, Dave? Uh, not much. I'm I'm really happy that Andrew decided to not break tables tonight and join us here on the podcast. How stupid is that? That nobody wins. Nobody wins when yeah. you jump on a table. Your body hurts. The table breaks. I don't agree with it, but I mean, I don't know if you see the newest fad of Bills fans. Like they have a newborn and they're like baptizing them by like putting them through like infant tables. It's the funniest thing. <laughs> it's probably the nicest thing that's ever happened to infants in Buffalo. Let's be honest. <laughs> Probably. You're probably not wrong. <laughs> You're already screwed from the get-go to be born in Buffalo. <laughs> I'm actually torn this week because I do love Buffalo. I mean, it's my favorite place to fish. It is. It. It. I mean, it, I've lived so close to it, so you can't help but love them. But there is no part of me that wants them to win. They're going to win. Buffalo, relax. Sooner or later, Josh, it's too good, but let Patrick have this one, okay? You can have that. Then, then we'll negotiate next year. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a constant. I, I foresee a constant negotiation between the Chiefs and the Bills for the foresee future. At Just least being- the next five years. I it's probably gonna be the next five years. I, I, I think it's awesome than that, though. Like it I mean could. barring any injury, but that's yeah. a cool thing. Like, cause as a Bills fan, as a Chiefs fan, we're we are franchises that have suffered. And, and I mean you live in the place yeah. that you cheer for i mean i could have abandoned them a hundreds of times yeah but it, it does feel good thank god for saint patrick <laughs> yeah. he is me. the patron saint of the chiefs he saved the chiefs i mean we had a i mean we had tyreek and kelsey before with alex yeah, smith yeah. for those people who think that you hear that every once in a while that that Mahomes is not as good as they say, you know, like he, he's got good targets and he does have great targets, but Alex Smith had those same targets and we were one and done every year in the playoffs. But you did go to the AFC championship game. Yes, we did. We did. So we did. But Patrick was on the team then he was on the bench, dude. That's his aura. He was, I mean, could you imagine how good he'd be if it wasn't for his brother, his brother. Oh my gosh. Uh, as, as a Chiefs fan, like, what is your what's your take? <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, he's he's a Mahomes, whatever. Do what you want. <laughs> he I mean, doesn't really. have to deal with him. He's in Canada. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I really, I think it's weird. I think it's really weird. But um, I think a lot of things today are weird. Like, to be it's honest, so, yeah, this is very true. <laughs> society yeah. as a whole is weird. So, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the uh, in the conclusion of football talk, before people are like, screaming, oh, it'll come back. I came here to- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Dave. I think like, what we do with everyone that's new to the show, we love to uh, hear how you got your introduction into fishing in the first place, and kind of who helped you find that route. Um, I mean, tr- pretty traditional story, really, except for where it took place. Um, I was born in Ireland. I lived in Belfast, Northern Ireland, until I was five years old. So. 
the first time I actually fished, I was three years old and, you know, it, it was, we were casting for mackerel. I was just sitting there really. My dad was casting and stuff like that. Um, but from every experience I ever had with fishing, like, I mean, I, it was to me, it, there was no other option. And that's what I think you get with people in our industry, no matter whether they're this year's classic champion, they're uh, a lot of marketing reps at companies and stuff like that. It, everybody who's part of this, we're all part of it because we have to be like, I didn't think, I didn't think, man, I, I hope I can make a living efficient. To me, it was like, there was nothing else that I was going to do. And I, and, and, to be honest, I mean, that didn't start till later on to even think about as a living, but every, from the first moment I fished, I knew like the, every, I need to do this more. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 so I, I guess, you know, my introduction was through my, my dad. And uh, then we moved to Canada when I was five and it, and to take a kid who loves fishing. And then it really exploded because, you know, there were so many opportunities and, and I was, you know, a weirdo who would take the bus to go trout fishing and, you know, and my waiters. And I was just like every, I think all of us kind of get it because we're that weirdo that did all these things. Mm -hmm. um, because it, it, I just, I think everybody has a thing that they're supposed to do in life. And, and some people avoid it. Some people ignore it. Some people shun it for money and different things. But for me, I knew I had to fish. And and even if all of what I get to do now goes away tomorrow, I'll still have to fish. I mean, if I don't fish, my wife sends me fishing. No joke. Like, she's literally, you haven't fished in, in a while. You're grumpy. Go fishing. So Get out of the house. <laughs> yeah. Totally <laughs> snowed her. Yeah, I got to go. I mean, she believes it. So I get to go. <laughs> well, Love it. From that timeline, I mean... How did I you... really went from birth to like my wife in one foul <laughs> answer. That was horrible. Don't do this. Be more direct in your answers. <laughs> well, like in in that timeline though, like obviously you work for Bassmaster, and we're gonna get into that how that kind of evolved in a second. But like you work for the the biggest tournament trail in the world. I mean, did you have a start in that? Did you or you introduced that before you got introduced to Bassmaster? Did you fish any tournaments? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I was like a lot of people who grew up just, you know, staring at TNN on, on Saturday, Sunday nights. You know what I mean? Like I grew up watching it there and, um, it's cool because I look at my life, it went from not knowing who won tournaments, you know, at one point until like a month or two later when you got the magazine to now I can literally be at an event and friends in Canada know more about the event than I do. That's how much it's covered. It's really cool that way. But I, I grew up uh, loving Bassmaster, you know, for whatever reason, bass was the fish for me. Everybody's got, like, I got buddies who are obsessed with muskie. I got buddies who are obsessed with steelhead. And, but bass was just the species that I was obsessed with. So I entered uh, my first tournament when I was 13 and won 400 bucks and figured I was loaded. Like, I was like, this is what I'm going to do forever. Um, and uh, I luckily, I got to, you know, had some early success and kind of stood out because I was young. You know, at that time, there wasn't near as many young people competing in tournaments. So luckily, I did okay and, and fished the whole way through kind of high school. And uh, 
then after high school, I, I mean, I didn't go to post-secondary school. Um, I, 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 I barely got through secondary school, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it, it uh, I just knew I had to fish. So I, I went different routes. You know what I mean? Like I literally fished tournaments for a while. And, and I knew pretty early on that I was like this. I love tournament fishing. But I was like, I don't like the person it makes me, to be honest. Like I was not a... I hate the aggression that it brings out. Like all of a sudden, if you're just like fishing and some guy comes to your spot, you're just like, oh, who's this guy? What's he doing? <laughs> Whole buzzer. You bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see when you got the numbers in your GPS. Show it. Come on. And it, it brings an aggression out in you. Yeah. So, And I also didn't want to travel, ironically enough. I thought there's too much travel. So... I started literally. I went. I, I saw a guy named Baba Zumi. He's a famous Canadian fisherman, mm -hmm. and uh, I saw his house, <laughs> and he had a really awesome house. And I was like, "Bob, you got this from from TV?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "I, I need to make a TV show." <laughs> so uh, we started literally at the time. I started doing one minute tips which are really popular now. And funny enough, they were not then, you know, every, it was the, not the norm, you know, cause we would be in the middle of commercial breaks and stuff. So we did these tips and grew it to a pretty decent size. They would air 500 times a week. And then it evolved into the half hour show that we do on outdoor channel. And somewhere along there, I started to regret certain things. Like, I mean, I was, the show was doing good and everything like that, but the weird, world that like i really just think life is figured out for us and we don't know that and it's hard to accept that but so i guess i'm in my early 30s and i'm like and the tv show's going great like i'm having a way better life than my guidance counselor ever said it was gonna be <laughs> and uh told you shit like, told what you so. what's that you're like i told you so <laughs> The, that dude, they did ask me to come back and talk at the school, which whole other story. Um, uh, but uh, it was weird because I'd go to the classic every year and work for for different sponsors and stuff like that. And and I would like there was years where I wasn't even being paid to be there. I just knew I had to be there. And people would be like, even my wife would be like, "Why are you going to the classic?" And I'd be like, "I just got to go there. Like once you go to one, you can't miss one." And every year I would sit in the seats and I would be like, man, should I have kept fishing? And not that I think that I would have dominated or, or been the next KVD or anything with that. But, I, but I think if I stuck at it, I mean, I could have qualified for this, maybe this event that I'm watching every year. And, you know, there was always that weird little thing. And then through a turn of events, somehow I end up working for bass and like the two different roads meet. It's just, it, it, uh, it's wild the way life works out, you know, like I, I would have never guessed that, you know, those opportunities would come. Um, but I also don't think you can put a limit on opportunities. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. I wouldn't do half the crap I do if I had to write a five-year plan because it's too abnormal to think that the biggest tournament organization in the world is going to hire this idiot from Canada. You know what I mean? Like you, if I'd have told you that, like if I got on this podcast five years before I was hired and said it, you guys would be like, this is ridiculous. Like, how can this dude think this? 
But if you're willing to, I, I don't know what to turn into a bit of an Oprah special here, isn't it? It's okay. It's the <laughs> American dream. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it, it, and here's how it all turns with Bass. Really, I became good friends uh, with Zona and Kevin Van Dam. And um, I got to know them. Actually, my first big tournament that I emceed in the States, I had emceed some Canadian tournaments. You know, I think I got into it through. That's what I was going to ask is like, how'd you get involved with the public speaking? Like, did you have any public speaking S gigs before you started being an MC or did you just hop right in? Well, I'm a bit of a talker. I don't know if you realize that, but I'm a bit, <laughs> a bit of a talker. Um, and the two things that I've always felt natural and like really enjoyed doing is fishing and, and literally talking, you know, entertaining, you know, it, I would win the speech contest every year in school. Um, and they actually put a rule in my school, true story. And this is what I'm proudest of in my whole education career, that we had to use cue cards. Because one year I went and did a speech on the Blue Whale. And after they asked me to put in the end, my cue cards were empty. I just made it all up. Like, I, you know what I mean? I just... <laughs> Like I do on stage, I just keep rambling and some of it makes sense and a lot of it doesn't. But sooner or later, it kind of works. Um, so, yeah, those are two things I'd always love to do. And um, I started I am seeing some tournaments in Canada. I think it started through a charity event or what. You know what I mean? Things like that. You get asked through sponsors and I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, so it kind of grew and I started emceeing bigger tours in Canada uh, the, the biggest tour, CFT at the time, the Canadian Fishing Tour. Um, and uh, it, it just kept kind of growing. And then I had this great opportunity come my way for the Toyota Texas Bass Classic. And I oh. knew a buddy of mine, Lenny Francoeur, a guy I meet at the Bassmaster Classic, one of those things. He was from a marketing company. And they they did big golf events and stuff like that. And he called me up one day and he's like, Hey, uh, we're going to have this huge bass tournament. It's called the Toyota Texas Bass Classic. And we're going to do this big thing. And he says, we need an MC. And I'm like, this, like in my head, I'm like, this is my big break. I'm going to get this. And he's like, but don't worry. It's not you. And, and I'm like, what the? He's like, we, we, we need a sideshow guy. And we think he'd be good at that. So the first year I emceed it with Fish Fishburn. And uh, I was kind of the sideshow guy running around in the crowd. And as things evolved, Fish no longer was part of the event. And I kind of took over on the stage and got to know Kevin and stuff like that. And ultimately, it all come, come what's that word they use? Culminates? <laughs> in a bar in Las Vegas at ICAST. I'm with Kevin and Zona, and we're all kind of talking. And I'm like, you know that Bassmaster thing you do, Zona? If they're ever hiring, dude, I would love to work for Bass. And literally at the time, I'm thinking as like to do internet clips or something. And Zona looked at me and he's like, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'd love to be part of that. And he's like, all right, I'm on it. So through him and Kevin, um, they talked to Bass and it, it just so happened. I, and I didn't know at the time. It's so weird the way things work out that like I remember sitting there thinking, should I say this or is that like, am I going to be an idiot? But I, but I just did. Right. And um, I didn't know, but at the time bass was being bought, you know, I knew that bass was for sale, but I didn't know at the time bass was being bought. I definitely didn't know that, you know, Jerry McKinnis was going to buy it. And the guy that was 
with us that night was also Mike McKinnis. So we all kind of met each other, and it literally, um, it, you know, I, I went through three different interviews or whatever, and ultimately, you know, the kind of crazy story that you probably heard or maybe didn't hear was ultimately I didn't know Jerry McKinnis. And they're like, okay, well, if you want this job, you got to – Jerry's your guy. You got to go see Jerry. We all want you to work here, but Jerry's your guy. And I didn't know Jerry, and Jerry is, you know, like, Jerry McKinnis from the fishing hole. I mean, he is a favorite. He Bill Dance to this day will tell you I did I would not have a TV show if Jerry McKinnis didn't show me how to do it. Like, and if that <laughs> it's amazing. Like what he's and when you go to the offices where his office was in Little Rock, there, dude, it's like the bass fishing hall of fame. Like you're walking down the hall and there's talks shirt, you know, like his classic shirt is like in a frame that the i knew it shirt like like every bit of fast fishing fame is there and uh jerry's got his little dog ollie i'm allergic to dogs but i was like petting the crap out of ollie because i just i mean i'm like (laughs) (laughs) worth it worth it (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna suck later (laughs) (laughs) so the craziest thing in the world happened so we we literally talk for three hours and an interview with jerry mckinnis is not like um like an interview like nobody sits down and there's no pie charts there's nobody what do you bring to this we talked about baseball we talked about small mouth because he loves small mouth and all sorts of things every once in a while he would throw a bit of a work question at me but so literally we were three hours into this and i'm literally thinking what is going like i didn't know jerry's one of those southern dudes who like kind of gives you the stone face when you're telling you know when you're telling stories you don't know like i'm telling this story and i see you nodding your head but jerry just kind of like look at you and you're like i don't know if he loves this or he hates this (laughs) but again i just kept talking so ultimately it all culminates when jerry says they had just bought bass and he said, you know, Dave, I, I, you know, we're getting so much, so much coverage and so many people behind us. And he's like, there's all these articles, people excited about the new ownership. And he pulls out this one and it's from Basser magazine. And it's literally hanging on the wall right there right now. Um, Cause I got Jerry to sign it afterwards, but, but he pulls out this magazine and he shows it and it's got an article about the new ownership of bass and he's showing it to me and he goes but hey i don't uh i, I don't know how to read japanese and sometimes stuff comes out of my mouth before my dad used to always be like put your put your brain in gear before you put your mouth in drive and it's a skill <laughs> that i've not yet mastered so without like missing a beat i'm like well i can read it to you jerry and like as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh my God, I just oh, lied to Jerry McKinnis or something. <laughs> so I so Jerry's like, and when you're in on it, do not ever lie, but when you do commit. <laughs> so Jerry's looking at me strange. I'm like, Jerry, do you want me to read it to you or not? Okay. He hands me the magazine and I start reading it. And I've never been able to repeat how smooth it came out of me that day. But basically blubbered on for about two paragraphs about Jerry McKinnis has been a leader since day number one. From a pioneer that created TV fishing 
to his days earlier than that as a leader in minor league baseball, playing for the Oakland Athletics. And ultimately, it went on and on and on. And then it ended with, we at Basser Magazine have it under strict confidence that Jeremy Kinn is about to make the most prudent business decision of his life and hire Dave Mercer to MC the Bassmaster Classic. And after it came out of my mouth, I'm like, oh. like it, it probably was only 15 seconds, but it literally felt <laughs> three minutes. And he grabbed the magazine. He's like, you don't read Japanese, do you? <laughs> I said, uh, uh, no, no, Mr. Jerry, I don't. And he said, uh, you did pretty good at this job. You're hired. <laughs> and that's literally almost the dumbest decision of my life, but turned out to be the best decision of my life. Um, I, and I still can't, like, I, I, I rethink it and I'm like, it's not a good story to tell people. Never lie in a job. No. But somehow it worked out good. Hey, if you're smooth enough with it, with it then. I guess. Don't recommend yeah. it. But if you so, do it, you better do it smooth. Yeah. It, it worked. And, uh, you know, it, it, me and Jerry laughed about it for years. And that's what, like I said, I got a copy of it for him to sign. And it's on my wall. And it's, it, I, I literally look at it every day. You know, because it's, it's, that's what life is. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at just even that ridiculous story, all the different, it's about taking chances. You know what I mean? It's about loving something and, and, and taking an opportunity and taking a shot at it. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of those in my life that I look back and I'm like, well, that didn't work out at all. But I mean, every once in a while, one works out. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Now I, I know you said that uh, like obviously you don't have like this five year plan for anything, but like with what you're doing right now, do you have like something you want to accomplish before you're done? Uh no, no. I mean, I have a lot of things I want to accomplish. I mean, I love every day. I want to. That's an accomplishment every year, you know. But but I don't. I don't have a. I want to do the coolest things and the most you, you know what i mean like yeah i want to do what it's it honestly, like you just want to like, live yeah i feel like honestly i live by a, a thing that i mean you it, a lot of people probably see it on my social media and don't even know what it means but i put enjoy being all the time because i found i got lucky man i got some good breaks in life and i got some incredible opportunities whether it be through the fishing throw show or or it be through bass and i found things were going so quick and there was times where i would leave events and i'd be like what even happened like what you know what i mean like literally i'd get off the stage and i and you leave an event and you're like i'm not even absorbing the moments i'm living in and and to be honest all of those moments are the moments we're all got, like that I'm going to look back on and be like that. That was, those are the days, man. Like I am seeing the Bassmaster classic. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a cool event. So I, I literally live my life to enjoy every single day and, and enjoy the moment that you're in. And if that moment is hanging out with my kids, I want to be all about that. If that moment is on stage, I want to be all about that too. Um, but yeah, just so as far as plans, I do, obviously you have to make business plans and, and moves and different things like that. But ultimately I don't put limits, you know what I mean? Because what if the WWE calls tomorrow? 
I mean, I think that'd be a cool <laughs> gig for a little while. You know what like, I mean? I like you and Pat McAfee. Like that'd be oh, a wild God. one. I love Pat McAfee. So <laughs> my, I want to be him, man. He has got all the best gigs in the world. <laughs> too and much. He hates fish, which makes me really hate him. Uh, but I, I literally listen to this show every day. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. And honestly, that's like something that you can they can translate to. Doesn't matter your occupation or who you are. I mean, that's just something you got to be in that moment because, especially nowadays with phones and social media, people kind of live in this like almost third world when they're staring at their phone and not really taking the time to put it down and actually see what's in front of them or talk with who they're who's near them. They're too busy talking to somebody states away over text or Instagram, whatever. I think that's something that people need to be reminded of more and more, especially as we get later into this year is like living like who knows how like our days are numbered like you don't want to remember like look back and be like yeah i got like oh, i got a bunch of likes on an instagram post once like you don't want to care about that you want to remember the conversations you have like you exactly what you said who you talk to what you've experienced where you've gone i think that's something that's good to to remind folks yeah i mean it, it's that's all life is like let's be honest it's a bunch of memories that go together and and and, and you know what? If you're included in a bunch of other people's memories, your life's probably been pretty successful. You know what I mean? If you've got good memories and other people. And that's honestly, it sounds simple and it's so different than, you know, I, and I get it. Like I have friends who, it's funny. I have a good friend, Chris Van Vliet, and he has a big YouTube channel. Um, he interviews a lot of different celebrities and stuff. And he always, his, his slogan is, Vague goals equal vague results. And I agree with that too, though. Like I totally, like if you're trying to, there's steps to achieve things. But what I mean by not having a five-year plan is, is I don't honestly, everybody, every job I have in my life, smart people told me it would never happen. Smart people told me to be more smart. You know what I mean? Stop being a dreamer. And being a dreamer is giving me everything. I mean, if I wasn't a dreamer, I wouldn't have ever ask my wife out. She's way hotter than me, but I <laughs> overshoot all the time. And, and every once in a while it works. Well, yeah, I think there's a point too, where you can dream, but your dreams only come true for how much work and uh, effort you put into making those dreams come true. So there's a difference between being a dreamer and a doer. Yeah. So you have to do things to make your dreams come true. And there's a lot of people who have tr have trouble like putting difference into that saying. So yeah. differentiating from what a dreamer is and a doer and finding that middle ground. So it's a very delicate balance in life that a lot of people struggle with. I totally agree. I totally agree. It, it it's it's and I also know like I say to people too like I don't think it's almost a dream in some ways. Like mm -hmm. the work ethic you need to be successful like any one of the pro anglers that you have on here or any the work ethic that you need is almost a nightmare. Mm -hmm. I, and I say that like I, it was a nightmare for me not to do this. Like a nightmare for me is literally Getting a job where I'm in an office and it, you know what I mean? Like, could you imagine me in khakis and 
half walls, it wouldn't work. I mean, I'm too loud. Um, it, it's true. I mean, just obvious. Uh, I resonate with that pain. <laughs> but, but, this is so true because Andy is like, you know when Andy's at the boat ramp. Everyone says it like, you know when he's there because he makes himself known. <laughs> well, since I left the bank, I've definitely like chilled out. But I was that guy that literally wore a suit to work every day until August. And I sat in a cubicle. I didn't even have a window. And yeah, so you know how that goes. And then I got my captain's license, a guide license, and now I fish full time. So it's awesome. And, and, but why are you doing that? You're not doing that for a long, and that's what I think makes everyone in our industry so special. Cause nobody, like, if you were good at, at baseball, if you were good at hockey, if you were good at football, by the time you're 12, 13 years old, whether you did or your parents did or some person did, it's becoming a business. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you've got a future, you have to manage this future. But everybody that fishes, whether it's me, whether it's Zona, whether it's Seth Bider, we all got into it for the same reason. And it's just like, I just want to fish. Like it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't distracted by money. I mean, trust me, Zona makes ridiculous amounts of money today, but he didn't focus on that at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> And I think my main reason was it wasn't all about the money at all. It was about sharing the experiences that I love on the water with everybody else and to share and to help them grow within the sport. So, like, it, and it's it nice to matter. not hear you be miserable after you're working yeah, at the bank. That's true. I'm a much happier person these days. <laughs> what did you do at the bank? I was a uh, personal banker. So, I opened accounts and was basically a loan officer. Oh. Yeah, I don't know, even yeah. heard some people had to go beg to. I yeah. hate banks. Banks. Yeah. My dad used to. Sorry, I know you don't work for the banks anymore, but my dad used to always say banks are umbrellas for people when it's not raining, and it's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, that's that's <laughs> great. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> oh, so I, I hate. I apologize, Bailey. I I hate being like the bearer of bad news. So I always felt terrible when I told people like denied like you can't get that loan because. Your credit score is a 480, even though it could really help you. I, I couldn't handle that anymore. I felt so bad for so many people. You're too big. You want to know one of the coolest bank moments in my entire life? And it's literally my mom passed away when I was 30. And I'm going to tell you, this was the one of the moments that I was proudest of my mother. Like, and it and it came out of nowhere. So I was trying to make a living fishing, and, and I was broke like broke 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 um and i went to the bank to get a loan for five thousand dollars um it was some business i had planned who knows if it were i don't think it worked um they were probably right not to invest but the banker this woman was she was an asshole let's be honest like she was literally lighting me up and it's i live in a small town and there's just little you know those half walls that you're in and we're and she's lighting me up and unbeknownst to me and trust me my family we didn't have a lot of money at all growing up um my mom raised us since i was 16 my dad passed when i was 16 so we didn't have a lot of money or anything and i had no credit or anything and she's lighting me up and out of nowhere my mom comes in and she sits and she looks right at the banker and she says, son, 
You will never take this bank's money. My son's not doing business with you. I'll give you the loan. And she said, and neither am I. And pulled all my money from this entire branch, which was like, I mean, I was like, that is the cool. Like to, at the time, I was just like, holy, what? But I, who are you, mom? That is the coolest <laughs> thing. I hope. Like if my kids are ever in that situation that I happen to be in the bank at the same time, because people are, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I hate. You're I'm MC tournaments. Great. I look and at a bass event. I'm a big deal. If you go to the Olympics, nobody gives a shit about the guy who introduces bass fishermen. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) we're all just people playing a part to get a paycheck. Yeah. So I'm actually really curious, uh, on the MC deal, do you have like an angler or two that is like one of your favorites to get up on stage and like talk with them when they're on stage? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know that there's a favorite. I like when it gets to a place. Like, I feel like I, I feel like the elite series is kind of evolving right now. Like, I feel like a lot of our guys, you know, when the big switch happened. A lot of our guys didn't have a lot of stage time and they were just kind of getting used to it. And then we put masks on them and put a mic on the other side and hit them kind of weird. But I really like when you get a bit of a routine with the, like there's anglers that like me and Ish had it. Like we still, to this day, we have the most awkward, but we both loved it. Like we literally would argue on the stage and people would complain all the time about it. But me and Ish got a kick out of it because it was just fun. But I, I think just um, – I don't think I have a favorite, but I do love – like there's things that happen and – like I've watched Seth Fighter go from a quiet dude to maybe one of the scariest critters that walks across that – like as far as, a, as far as his rep and as far as like fan – like he's one of the biggest names in this industry. And I've watched that happen because of Seth's incredibly hard work. But I've also watched it happen because of the work that Zona's put into Seth and the work that we've put in on the stage. And I love watching the evolution of an angler. Like I, I and I don't feel like it's all Seth. Like I don't take any credit for it, but I love to be part of that process. You know right. what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> so yeah, I don't I don't think there's any anglers that I mean if there is, I'm not gonna answer it because that'd be the worst thing to say at all. Because then <laughs> I mean you make one happy and piss off the rest. Um, but I really like Brandon Pollock. I mean, he's <laughs> <laughs> I uh, think to, like to, to add on that too, at least from a fan perspective, it's pretty cool to like watch like the progression of like Takumi Ito's like English. It's incredible. I mean, that's the that was it. That's the other one I was going to mention. Like, I mean, to watch, like the first time I met him, he could not like his wife did all the speaking. Like she was a translator. I, it was like a UFC interview, and and now, like in Waddington, he literally commanded that entire crowd, and not just the crowd, but the internet. Like Takumi Ito. Is one of the biggest, like, watch him at the, it's nuts what has happened in his life, but literally it's only happened in this, the advice I give everybody, you know, if you're on stage and I don't know everything, but what I do know is the one thing that always works is honesty and being yeah. yourself. Like Seth Fider is who he is because he's himself. And, and Takumi right. is who he is because he's himself. And he uses 
his disadvantage isn't an advantage, but he's honest. Like when he does things like he took the lead and he, and I said, you're leading to him. He had no idea. He's just celebrating. I'm like, you're leading. And he looks at me. He's like, I'm number one. And <laughs> every single North American Bass Pro thinks that the first time they lead an elite series event. Don't get it. But yeah. somehow machismo kicks in and they're like, well, happy to be here. You know what I mean? They just don't let it. And yeah. he lets his emotions out. And and I think people just love the honesty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty – that he, I think, became one of, like, the fan favorites at Waddington because of that. That was pretty freaking cool. Yeah. and But you look at Orange, he had the crowd eating out of his palm, his hands there. That was when he was, like, my first giant bass and all that. Like the, you think of all the whips, all of those things. He's a genius. He really – like, I don't – I also don't think it's by mistake. I mean, I think he takes things that serious. And, like, I mean, if you don't think he takes it serious, look at how quick he's learning English. And you ask him why. He's like, because I force myself. He's like, he's like, I speak such better English than ever. Like, And I just didn't speak good English. English. I'm much more fluent in English. He didn't say that. Um, but, uh because he forces himself. He's like, I'm on the road and I can't communicate without it. So it's pretty amazing. And and I, I just think he's like, you know, obviously the greatest Japanese angler is talk. You know what I mean? Accomplishment wise. But I don't think there's ever been somebody come and make an impact as quick as he has. You know what I mean? From yeah. Japan, like straight from Japan and just. Boom. Like he's one of our stars already. Yeah. I would be in full agreement on that one. And uh, that's a pretty cool uh, Takumi moment here. Last year uh, when you guys had the Tennessee river event and then Sabine, I believe got postponed. I was going down to meet destined to Marion to, we we're going to go pre-practice for fork. I got clearance from bass cause I'd never been down there. So I got to go, I was kind of like doing media for him at the time. And I got down there and then Sabine was announced that it was postponed because we were originally going to go pre-practice Sabine. All right. And, and then, so he's like, dude, I'm going to go home for a week. Well, I'm sitting here. I'm like, well, I at least have my kayak. I'm at Chickamauga. I might as well just go fish for a week. And I'm in this, one of these sloughs and I'm fishing. And I see this rat boat for Columbia rat boat come in with a guy and his little kid. And I realize it clicks in my head. I'm like, that's Takumi Ito. And like, he comes by me and he like in his very small English, I basically asked like, if he cares if I went past, like past me and fished. And I was like, dude, yes. And like, he was like teaching his kid how to fish that day. And that was, I just sat and watched for a little while. It was the coolest thing. Like just a very genuine human. Like it was, it was cool. It was really cool. And he's one of those dudes too. Like I was talking, like he loves every moment. Like you watch him, mm -hmm. not fake. That the Takumi you see on stage is the exact same Takumi you see at, 5.30 in the morning in pitch black walking down the dock. You guys have seen it. Everybody's seen it. He's he's real yeah. and he but he just loves every moment. And I and I if you put a pattern together, look at the people that love what you know what I mean? Like you just look at anglers alone, mm -hmm. like their success rate, people who are positive, people who are you have to be that way. You just can't. This isn't the kind of sport you can part time. Yeah.
positivity breeds positivity. That is for sure. So kind of diving into fishing and kind of more away from the, the emceeing, like when you have free time and you can go to the lake, like, is there a style of fishing, a technique or a species that you lean more towards than the others? Yeah, I mean, I would probably. I mean, the lake I live on is is a straight up largemouth lake, but but I I'm more obsessed with smallmouth fishing, and definitely like your part of the world, you know, that eastern basin of Lake Erie is where I I do a lot of fishing, and and to me, if there was one, to, I mean, really, I don't have it. I was thinking about that because I was like, they're going to ask me what my favorite technique. That was the one question I knew that you could ask me because everybody always asks that, and I'm like. I don't really have one. You know what I mean? Like I really love catching them on a jerk bait, but I really love catching them drop shot. You know what I mean? Like I, to me, it's, it's, I mean, I catch every fish on a top water for the rest of my life if I could, but you can't. So, I mean, I mean, I, I just, but I, I guess, I mean, I probably drop shot to like, you know what I mean? Standard, you know, single swim bait, et cetera. Yeah. Yes, same, same deal. But but I don't like it's. I don't. I don't get that where people are like, I just want to throw a jig. Like I love throwing a jig, and but after I throw a jig for a week, I love throwing something else too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. To me, like there, there's certain bites like a frog bite and stuff that just never gets old. But I mean, I don't have one technique that I, I like to. You know, that's the way I, I, I. seminars my whole life i've always taught against that i guess maybe that's why i'm different that way you know what i mean because having the favorite lure that's that's a good when it works but when it doesn't work it sucks you know you so um yeah i mean traditional smallmouth would be would be my thing though i think yeah i mean but I think it just became that way because of tournaments like and i'm sure yeah. you guys have experienced it too because I mean, largemouth used to be a lot more competitive, and all of our lakes have been taken over by smallmouth, like or weight wise. Taken, there was always smallmouth in them, but now they're dominated weight wise. That's what the Trent River system that got infiltrated with gobies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's Trent River system too. Is I mean, that's one of the reasons the Johnsons are as good as they are um, at grass fishing. You know, everybody thinks Canada it's all smallmouth, but I mean that those the our lakes, I mean, I really think that the, the lake I live on, Scugog, is literally a mini Okeechobee. It is a flat, featureless, grass, you know, field, rice field lake. And it's the exact same as Okeechobee, but it's a much smaller version. And I think this whole chain, that that's why if you look at Canadian anglers traditionally, outside of the north, they do best in Florida. But that's why, I think, because they're just so used to fishing grass lakes. One thing I've heard about Scugog, because I have a couple buddies that live up there, they're like, you can flip mats and catch smallies. You can. You can. <laughs> you can also catch walleye on, on buzz baits. Yeah. It's, it's not a normal <laughs> lake, that's for sure. It's, and it's uh, not deep at all, right? It's like average like six to eight foot, I think, my buddy said up there. Yeah, it's like the deepest insane. spot in the entire lake is 27 feet. Yeah. And it's like one spot that... <laughs> Everybody who doesn't know how to fish goes right there because they think the deepest spots got a lot of fish, I guess. And maybe it does sometimes, I'm sure. <laughs> a couple of night crawling walleye for the dinner plate. 
Yeah. Yeah, they spawn like literally right in front of my house. It uh, it's cool in the spring. You can actually flashlight them just to see how many mm-hmm. there is, um, and it's it's pretty pretty cool. That is pretty awesome. So I mean, obviously you're following unless you're remote at home chiming in for certain events. You're you're for the most part traveling with all the guys for each event. So like, is there certain peak times a year? I'm I'm assuming like the fall that you actually get to really fish more and not have to focus more on being an MC. Yeah, I mean, the last few years have kind of been weird. Um, but normally, before that, it was a lot more routine. Um, and let's hope it kind of gets a little more. You know, that last year wasn't bad because we ended so early. Um, but it, this season shouldn't be bad. But it's once it, when things, when events stop getting moved and shifted, and that's what screws everything up, you know, because, you know, it works okay just to, you know, you just got to plan it out. But, you know, that's... Again, you know, um, just I'm an active person. Like I don't have, I don't ever expect to have a lot of downtime. Like there's, that's the other thing that I've realized too about, and not that I say I'm that successful, but, but, but I know a lot of really successful people and every single one of them always is working. You know what I mean? Like they're think of all these successful people that you know, and I don't even mean financially successful. I just mean happy doing whatever you can be a guide and loving every minute of every day, but you're busy all the freaking time. So, I mean, I'm always busy anyways. So it's not like I sit at home and hang out a lot. So you just kind of schedule shooting around when events are and when they aren't. So the fall has always been kind of, I've always had like a little bit of a spring window and a fall window where we shoot this year. We shot all the worst times possible. Um, it was just like the, it was literally, we were cursed this year. So uh, hopefully next year smoother. <laughs> I mean, do you get to, to fish much? Like when you travel with the guys at all? And like, if so, like do you have a region of the country that you're besides home that you like to fish. Um, no, me and I don't fish a lot at the events, to be honest, um, just because they're so busy, you know, at one time they weren't that, I mean, we'd MC the events and we do a couple updates and we thought we were busy. And now with live, it's literally, you're like, I literally, you know, get up at four, whatever, three thirty four, depending on takeoff time, head off, do that. And then, you know, right after that, we're on live for the majority of the day and then, or getting ready to go on live. So you got to be watching live and you're kind of on it. Then you do the weigh in and it's nighttime. So I don't, uh, I'm pretty beat at the events, to be honest. I don't even think about fishing at the events, but sometimes in between the events, me and Overstreet will fish and stuff like that. I get offered all the time by the guys to go fishing with them, but it's again, I mean, I have a family. I, I try to get home to them as much in between events and stuff like that. So, um, I kind of just weirdly enough, keep the two separate. Like when I first got the job, I was like, this is going to be perfect. I'll fish all the time. <laughs> and yeah, it didn't work out that way. <laughs> yeah. That's what they say about work in the fishing industry. Yeah. Time gets cut down unless you're a guide. Then, yeah, But even a guide, you're not, it's not a guy guided and dude, Andrew, it's frustrating at times. Is it not? It can be. Yeah. It can it's be. not like fishing. It, it depends on your client. Like, that's what it comes down to. It completely depends on the client you have and the the experience that you're trying to cater to them. Like, okay. I have some clients that are like, dude, let's just fish. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. But I find myself like, 
I'm like, all right, here, I caught two on this. You take it now, and I'll start, like, experimenting. Because I'm like, if I start jacking fish in front of this dude, he's going to be pissed. So, yeah. like... <laughs> Everybody wants you to fish until you catch a seven-pounder, then it's right. like... <laughs> yeah, <I> just... yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but, I, I mean, we talked about a guide earlier, Paul Castellano. Yeah. I mean, I honestly think he's one of the greatest guides on Earth. But But, like, he is as good as he is at it because like he's all about it like he wants his customers to have an experience and you talk to people that fish with him and they're like man he he becomes their family you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's but you really have to be that way like if you think you're getting into guiding to make a quick buck or whatever it, it's it's not gonna last it never mm -hmm. does you know because i mean there's too many people like yourself and paul that are really good at it that will give you a good experience yeah well, at least try to at yeah. least try to yes, so that's true <laughs> <laughs> you never know uh mother nature is gonna land you on lake erie on any day in buffalo it could be you know the forecast is 85 degrees sunny no wind you get out there and there's a line of thunderstorms yeah. so like it just happens so yeah it's an well, incredible Andy, body of water <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> Annie, do you have anything uh, fishing-wise left for, for Dave here before we hit him with our last question? No, so my biggest thing for you is before there was live, right? Because I, if I remember correctly, you started emceeing before live happened. Yeah, yeah. So you've been emceeing a while. What is the prep work like now that you're not just emceeing, but you're doing a lot of the live stuff? I'm sure the prep work for a tournament's got to be consume a ton of time beforehand. It doesn't it doesn't you know um i'll be honest the last number of years have been a lot more prep prep work obviously um yeah. but it um i'm obsessed with it you know what i mean like is it is it like i yeah i you know there's prep work you do and especially like going into the season like i will literally lock down before the season and spend you know a week going over stuff you know because i i always feel like I always feel like you better be prepared. You know what I mean? Because like, I, to be honest, I've always felt like sooner or later, somebody's going to realize this guy is not qualified for this job. <laughs> so I better be prepared. Um, so I, and I, you know, I hate that feeling. You know what I mean? I'm sure mm -hmm. it's the same if you're guiding or, I mean, it's just like if you're doing a podcast and you go in and you're just like, we have no, like, it's not, we're not prepared. We don't know what we're doing. It's a horrible feeling. Right. So I, I do, do quite a bit of studying uh, before the season, but I most of it you just you're following. You know what I mean? Like me and Zona, ever like we're all obsessed with the sport. You know what I mean? So we'll talk about what's going on and stuff like that. And you, and, you know, it's just covering the event to me. Like it's not, it's not so much like prep work in that state. Like I get to the event and I talk to a lot of anglers. I you have a routine of anglers that you kind of know you can get the truth from and you know the ones that lie to you and um <laughs> you just kind of put it together but it, it there is prep work but I, I don't again i don't feel like it's it's not prep work you know what i mean to me prep work yeah. is like when i you give me a big freaking do a tang and say learn all this and it's gonna i love it I love prep work, yeah. somebody <laughs> won this or they you know little quirky stories and it's weird because you'll learn that little quirky story about somebody and it won't make any sense but then something will happen and you're like it makes sense all of a sudden so yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it's I study, but I don't feel like you're studying. I mean, reading fishing magazines and stuff like that. What always <laughs> I suppose yeah. the live has actually made your life easier then because now you have basically what it says live. You can see everything that's going on throughout the day while you're covering the event. It, in a nutshell, it probably makes your job as an MC a little easier because you already know what happened technically through the day for most guys. Yeah. Yeah, de it definitely, like, I mean, a lot of times on stage, I'll make a comment about, hey, today I saw this happen or whatever, you know, so it definitely helps on that end of things. And you do, you got a better gauge, but but I do find it's weird. Um, I find it harder to remember all the details now that it's all live because mm -hmm. it's so much coming at you. Like, you're like, before I used to be like, on day one, this happened, on day two, that like you, and now I'm like, yeah, somewhere, one of those days, you caught a big electric <laughs> ball comes at you quick. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, like, I think our whole team is like that, though. Like, the whole crew that I work with, you know, Davey, Tommy, Stoops, Ronnie, everybody. Like, Zona, they're, we're all pretty obsessed with the sport. You know what I mean? So, like, have we're to not be. working an event. We're watching it. Like, you know what I mean? When Zona's not an event, he's watching all the coverage. Like, he's texting non-stop asking questions to different people and stuff like that so it's yeah it's 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 an obsession <laughs> it's got to be at that point to to make the production that you guys do yeah yeah i mean and, and trust me we all think dude we work for monday night football like honestly we say that like i get that that's what bass is and that's what bass is to us and and we had a, we had a production call earlier this week, and it's funny. It's like when you see all like, and it was just a Zoom call, but you see all everybody's faces, and you're like, man, I'm like freaking part of that team. I'm, I'm proud to be part of that team, and and it's so yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's the greatest freaking job in fishing, if you ask me. Like, I literally would not trade. Like, if somebody said, hey, do you want to be? Seth fighter no freaking way like i love my job i love where, where i'm at i love what i do uh, like there's no part of me that like wants any part of that i love to do what i do because it's it's where i feel i don't know it's weird i just i'm your happy home is yeah. what it comes down to your home you're in your comfort zone yeah i guess i don't know <laughs> maybe Tell me, fire me. <laughs> to find a new home. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dave, we are, we're going to let you go here, but we got one more question for you to right. kind of wrap things up. And uh, it's for, I feel like, Andy, we haven't asked it in a, in a little bit here. Well, but, me uh, and you together, we haven't asked it in a little bit. Oh, this is very true. Yeah. You guys are making me nervous. <laughs> it, it's a good one. It, it's very uh, loaded. Okay. Slightly. Right. So loaded. lay it out for you. If, uh, if you were able to... Sit down with three individuals, have mm -hmm. a beer, have a steak. Watch a uh, Chiefs-Bills game. Watch okay. a Chiefs-Bills game. <laughs> uh, they could be anybody from – it doesn't have to be fishing industry. It can be sports, whatever have you. They could be alive currently or alive a thousand years ago. It does not matter. If you could choose any three people to come have – like watch the Bills and Chiefs game, drink a beer, have a steak, and pick their brain, who would you invite? Wow, <laughs> that is uh, that could go so many directions. Okay, that's so I'm the point. Remove fishing from it, right? Because that I mean that's kind of the you know I mean that's not the and I'm going to remove family because you know obviously 
parents, somebody like that would uh, come to your mind. So I'm going to go right away. I'm going to go Jesus Christ. I'd like him to come because, I mean, it's, he's Jesus Christ. And um, that'd be cool. So I want to see what beer he's drinking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wine. It's probably uh, wine. <laughs> yeah, wine. That's right. Um, that'd be the best part about hanging with him. I mean, I got this heavy on. Could you hook, hook a brother up? Um, I'm going to get hate mail for this. You almost like mediate the whole conversation. Yeah. And then, then I'm going to go. Um, I'm going to go Will Ferrell because he puts all his friends in his movies and I'd like to become his <laughs> friends. So I could just like, not, I don't want to be a star. I just want to be like that. You can do it guy. Um, so just throw me in. I'll be your Rob Schneider. Gladly. Perfect. I'm, I'm kind of zone as Rob Schneider. Um, uh, and then I'm going to go. Oh, it's weird. I got a three-way tie. Can I give a three-way tie? Oh, sure. Three car are coming, and it's got Howard Stern, Joe Rogan, and Pat McAfee in it. I'd like oh, those. Oh, wow. That'd be wild. <laughs> That's a dynamite three in itself. Yeah. With, Jesus, with Jesus Christ mediating the conversation. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> there would be, like, if you could get the three of those guys on a podcast, no, there would be nothing done because they'd all be talking over each other. <laughs> Yeah, that would be that would be weird. That would be weird. But I think those. I mean, I've always been a huge Stern fan. I think he's one of the greatest interviewers of our time. Like, I really think people hear Howard Stern and they don't. You know, they if you listen to the stuff he makes people say or gets them free up to say, it's amazing. Um, yeah. Rogan is basically the freaking Oprah Winfrey for men. Like literally, I mean, Brendan Schaub has a stand-up comedy career, and he's not even that funny. Uh, so, um, sorry. I mean, I've been on your podcast too, Brandon Schaub. You're very funny. Um, and uh, and uh, Pat McAfee, I'm obsessed with him because I just think it's the coolest freaking story in the world. The dude left a sport. He left the freaking NFL to say, I'm going to go do something with my buddies. And it, he just got paid $130 million to do that something. In, within four years, it is the most. It's one of the most amazing business stories of our time, I think. Like yeah. all of those guys, what Rogan's done, what he's done, but it's it's crazy. And then yeah, nobody I, turns into our shit. What the hell do we have to do? <laughs> yeah, right. I remember when I was twelve years old, way too young to be listening to some of the Howard Stern stuff. But I was what my dad and I would listen to <laughs> every story. day going to the hockey practice. <laughs> It'd be Howard Stern, and I was like, I don't know what this guy's saying, but I love it. <laughs> Learned a lot of bad stuff from Howard Stern's show. He, he changed an entire like before him. Like DJs were a different thing. You know what I mean? They all talk like, "Hey, we're gonna go drop two and two. We'll be right back to you." And they were all and Howard Stern literally changed that. Like the whole shock jock, everything he did. Like he changed. The entire industry, it's incredible what he did. Yeah. I mean, it's but I'll, I'll, I mean, yeah, that's um, the weirdest group of people. Will Ferrell, it's amazing. Our, 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 no, Adam Sandler, Adam Sandler. Did I say Will Ferrell? Or Adam, you Sandler? said Will Ferrell, but they're both fine. <laughs> I meant Adam Sandler, yeah. shit. 
I don't want Will Ferrell to be there. What's he gonna do? He's horrible in that. I didn't want the salmon. I did the thing that just came out of Netflix. I don't want you Will Ferrell to be a stepbrother. I don't need you to be serious. That's amazing. Oh, oh yeah. Well, Dave, uh, seriously, thank you so thank much you. for taking time out tonight to join us. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure, and I'm looking forward to uh, this year on Bassmaster Live. I will be at the Classics. I hope to at least say hello in person and uh, introduce yeah. myself. But it's been a it's been a pleasure to get you on here. Thank you guys very much. Uh, sorry for talking so much. Uh, but well, that's uh, the point, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like you run a podcast or something. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm we I'm doing so many podcasts lately that I feel like I should ask you guys more questions. But hey, tune into my podcast Wednesday evening. It's not near as good as this one, but it's uh, it's my podcast. Yeah, and as, as that being said, for folks that do not, you definitely should, and all the links will be below in the show notes for you guys to click on, go right to it. You guys should definitely check it out. Yeah. Thank you. Of course, in all of your social media, everything you guys can go follow Mercer on is down below. You guys, if highly- you already don't, which is highly doubtful, I'm sure everybody follows already. So, <laughs> oh, there's a lot of people that don't trust me. Trust me, I check the list daily. Some people, un- as soon as somebody unfollows, I'm like, you son of a. If you- <laughs> but I'm thankful. So it's Mercer's list, and he checks it twice. Is what you're saying? Yeah. It's so dumb, though. But I found myself. We're supposed to end this show, but I found myself being excited. Like, oh, look at how many likes I got. What? The, what does it even matter? It's the dumbest thing in the world. Like it really is. But it, it's it's what sponsors judge me on. So I hope I get a lot of them. Yeah, if you uh, if you like slow mos of underwater footage of bass eating baits, then you love them. Everyone, I get so excited when I say, "Like that's awesome!" (laughs) I'm I'm obsessed with that stuff. We could talk about that next time I'm on here because I do obsessed with shooting underwater footage. We should have talked about fish more. Weird. Go. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dave. We appreciate you, and well, we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. Oh man, you you got to make a side bet here for that Sunday night game. So, so if the Bills win, that. Dave has to jump through a table. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> his face off. His face in the I'm just kidding. Up. You don't have to do that. But, I don't uh, think that would fly. No, <laughs> we need Dave alive for the classic. We need an MC. <laughs> like at the classic, right off the stage, right, like into a hardwood table. That would hurt like heck. Don't now, that it. would be something like for a Buffalo angler, like if they won the classic to yeah. jump off the table, but <laughs> there ain't no angler. Is there an angler from New York in the elites right now? Jamie There's Jamie Hartman, Hartman but he's technically, technically moved. Yeah. I don't think there is anybody. No. Everyone moves south. Everyone from New York. That does Do you blame them? There. No. Do you, want, do you want to fish 12 months a year or six to eight? I mean, business decision, business wise. I mean, it's a smart decision, yeah. and you're cutting down on like seventy percent of your travel. Correct. Unless you go back to you know New York. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, thank you to Dave for for joining us tonight. That was a lot of fun. I I really was excited for this one because it's like an inside scoop behind the MC of yeah. Bassmaster. How he even got to that? Because I never knew the story getting involved with Bassmaster. How he That's got an there. Awesome story. You know, like how you get to start being an MC. Like, where's your route to that? I think it's it was super intriguing and and seeing kind of the behind the scenes stuff. But Dave does make a good point that you know next time we get him out here, we probably should talk more fishing. Uh, I'm very intrigued on how the whole underwater stuff worked yeah. and how he shoots that stuff. But Mercer either way, two. 
coming at yeah. you in the future. So, yeah. Oh, no, I think it was kind of interesting because usually we're all about fishing, but like on a serious note, right? He is possibly the biggest announcer name in professional bass fishing. And I think he is. It, oh, he without is a doubt. Player. And um, and on that terms, it's kind of cool to see the backstory on that, even though it took basically the entire episode to get to it. Um, the backstory and how it happened and where he's at and how happy he is with his life decision is kind of remarkable in itself. Like if a lot more people can emulate what Dave Mercer is as a person, the world would be a much happier place. And I hate to be very dark on that, but he, you can just tell he loves life. If you don't sound like Dave Mercer when he talks about his job with your job, then you probably should reevaluate and find a new occupation because life's too goddamn short to be miserable. Agreed. Even at that. Hot takes. Serious hot, hot takes. takes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I mean, and that's what we strive for in life is finding that perfect life balance of what we want to do and what we want to be, right? And unfortunately, for like 98 or 99% of people, we never take the foot and step out the door to make a dream a reality. And that's why so many people are dreamers instead of doers. The ones who do live the dream. And the ones who dream usually get stuck dreaming. And then it becomes woe is me. And Andy, a whole lot of support. Andy becomes a full-time guide and just turns full Miley Cyrus deep on us. Oh. <laughs> I came in like a wrecking ball. Yeah, before Andy starts singing, we're going to turn this yeah, thing off. This is a smart idea. <laughs> But uh, for real, folks, uh, thank you guys for tuning in, listening to the show. If you guys still are, we uh, we seriously appreciate you. You guys are amazing. Uh, Tuesday night live next week. Uh, I will not be there. Hopefully, it'll be Deacon joining Andy. If not, it'll be Andy running solo. I am Florida bound as of Sunday to literally almost pretty much all week. I'll be back on Saturday, so I'll be back for another round of shows, and then I'm headed to Louisiana to start filming Chasing Hardware for that first Hobie event uh, down in Toledo Bend. So look forward to the inside scoop on that. Obviously, some social to come, but uh, look forward to that episode coming in February. Uh, we're going to start kicking off some more filming here. But for real, thank you guys. And uh, a lot of big shows coming. We're pretty excited. And uh, Andy, anything else before we sign off? Have a good, have a good day, everyone. Almost <laughs> night. All right, folks. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.